0: Welcome back to another episode of Table Talk Friday, a D&D podcast. I'm your host, Oswin Alemaker, and I just wanted to tell you about three boys who love to talk about D&D. If you like their style, you should follow them on any podcast service you prefer, and come back every Friday for a new episode. And without any further ado, back to the boys! Well... I don't know about you, boys, but uh, the wind just flew right out of my sails. We've been having audio (laughs) trouble trying to get this fucking thing set up. And, uh, oh, my chair just made so much noise. (laughs) Okay, well, it's good because we were talking about audio trouble, so we're definitely not going to leave any of this in. Oh, no, it's all staying. Um, we'll just leak little fart noises in occasionally to see if it picks it up.
1: You know, it is it is a little bit nice to be able to hear our natural voices right now, which is which is cool, We're, you know, without the headphones on, but yeah, we've been having some audio trouble for like the past five minutes, and I was having a blast before this happened, okay gang? I was having an amazing time conversing with you guys and catching up after our long
2: weeks. I don't... I don't know, man. I'm look. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great before, and I'm feeling good after. But now, without my headset on, I feel like I've been freed. I am no longer the sheeple. I have awoken, and I can hear everything now.
0: I can hear clearly. You know, I'm so happy for you, Drew. But I can't tell what the show sounds like right now. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's driving me bananas. So if this sounds like doo-doo ass, I'm so sorry, it won't. loyal listener. But uh, our headsets, all of them. Are, uh, are non-functioning. We I'm can't naked. hear any. Yeah, we can't hear any feedback, any playback while we're speaking. So really, we're in the dark. Turn the lights off. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> we need firefighter Eric here. I mean, maybe we always record in the dark. They don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? We just sit here every week, lights off. We can't even see
0: each other wearing blindfolds. Please, I can see you. I have dark vision.
2: Oh, uh, see, that was quirky. You know, they have TV shows now where... You get like end up getting married to random people that you've never seen before, and you only have to talk to them for like a few hours or something like that. There should be a podcast of two or three people in a room with the lights off. They have no idea who each other are, what they look like, that kind of thing. But it's just like a month long thing. You get together once a week, talk it out, and then at the end you do like a face
0: reveal and see what the other person looks like. Drew, I can cut out like seventeen different steps for you right there. <laughs> uh, just call them on the phone. I don't know, or just what do an audio zoom call. Yeah, yeah. I work remote. I don't know what half my coworkers look like. Hop into a Discord call, dude. Uh, Yeah. yeah, But even
1: in Discord, everybody just has anime
2: girl pictures for their profile pictures. You don't know what they look like. Exactly. No, you have to remove all the pictures. You don't want any idea of what they might look like, right? So I think it's Sean, or one of my buddies has like a pink penguin as his icon. And so whenever I play games with him, I always think of that pink penguin. I have something to talk about. (laughs) 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 Um.
1: So, I've had the past two days off of work, which has been freeing in two different ways. One, you know, I I don't know if we want to talk about this on the podcast, but we're going to. Um, D- Delta 8 is kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> and perfectly legal. And I had a great day with it yesterday. Just, like, having little tiny minor amounts uh, of this little little rainbow ring gummy throughout the day. You know, not enough to, like, get, you know, super high or anything, but being like, oh, I feel very chill all day. Very... Very kind of almost in a sleepy stupor all day, and that felt really nice. And I finished 13 Sentinels, I did all of that, and then I decided, you know, some three quarters of the way through my day, uh, I was feeling like energized, I was like, I gotta do something. Um, And I I went to do a little bit of rock climbing, a little bit of lifting, and there's this place that I passed by on the way back called Apotheca. Now, this is not Mm. sponsored. You know, I I always end up talking about things, you know, naming brands on this podcast, and I'm okay with that. Not sponsored by Apotheca, but I walk into this establishment, which is apparently very popular. It's like a Delta 8 CBD dispensary type of place. I think they do Kratom too, but I'm not a Kratom guy. Um, So I walk in and um, I see that they have, and you guys, Drew, you're especially going to hate this, but I walk in and they have a cooler with a ton of different beverages with like um like cordyceps lion's mane um with uh delta 8 infused drinks like these are just weird oh, looking oh, oh. cans weird different there's was, there was a delta 8 coffee in there uh what like a one was like um a shrooms based, not like shroom shrooms like uh but um yeah like lion's mane it's meant meant to enhance your like cognition or whatever F- fucking science I know, um, any, of these, any of these words i know none of them none okay of well words. if if you're into like the the supplementation and like fitness space these are things that get talked about a lot and i was like oh man they're about to take a lot of my money <laughs> 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 because i walked in and i looked at the girl across the counter and said i have a can problem <laughs> and that's exactly what i said to this girl and she goes excuse me and i was like there are so many cool-looking cans right here that I've never seen, and I'm gonna buy one of each. <laughs> and she was like, uh, I get that. I'm kind of the same way with bottles. Like if I see a cool glass bottle, and I was like, no, 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 it's not the same. Every time I walk into a gas station, I have to buy three new drinks." <laughs> and she was like, mm, yeah." And I said, "So anyways, I'll take these five." <laughs> so you grab- five of them. I what bought five? five. I bought five. Um, now, these were different brands, different flavors. And let me tell you, I had this oat latte one this morning. Oh, my God. It was one of the greatest tasting things I had ever had. And it had lion's mane in it. And so, like, on top of that, I was I was feeling very focused this afternoon. These aren't things that, like, have super psychoactive effects or anything. They just kind of, like, zero you in, make you really focused. Um, and plus, it had caffeine. So, I was also, you know, had 85 milligrams of caffeine in it. Might be the caffeine. no, 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 no. no. I've tried these things before. I'm used to caffeine. This is a much lower dose of caffeine than I'm used to in the morning. Uh, it kind of just like things like cordyceps and lion's mane are all for like cognition. I can't explain the science, so don't ask me to. If you want to hear about that, go to YouTube. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, Seth,
0: what's the science behind lion's mane and cordyceps? Well, let me tell
1: you, I was very focused this morning um, <laughs> and it was, it was a very good time. And go buy Apotheca. It was awesome. I also ended up buying cotton candy flavored gummies. And uh, and I only bought them because I've been so into cotton candy flavored things lately, <laughs> which I discovered thanks to a can. Oh, is that cotton uh... candy flavored bang, dude, or cotton candy flavored C four? Yeah, oh. I was gonna say it's definitely C four. Yeah, the C four is really good.
2: Have you ever had um, Rockstars? Because I feel like no one ever talks about those anymore. Those Why be a would big you thing. buy that when you have, so many, you have so many better options? Well, look, I,
1: I hate all energy drinks. You know this. I think they taste awful. You had that one that you kind of liked that was, what, Swedish Fish and Sour Patch flavored?
2: Yeah, so if I had nothing else to drink and I had to pick an energy drink and I had
0: to pick the absolute best one, it would be that one and it wasn't very good. <laughs> That's I, I, i'm right there with you drew i'm not an energy drink kind of guy i've never tasted Rockstar. i think i've tasted like a sip of one of your bangs before seth but um but otherwise like i mean i've i've had red bull i've had monster but it brings me no joy <laughs> dude let me tell you if you ever want advice i should start uh a
1: caffeine advice podcast with the amounts of <laughs> the amounts of stimulants I've had in a single day at some points. Now I am on a downturn right now where I'm not having as much caffeine in a day. I'm trying to make my tolerance go down a little bit so that way I can, you know, ramp it back up again and be like off my goat. You know Off my goat. <laughs> I wanna he be, says. I, dude, I wanna be like
2: hyped up my tree on caffeine. <laughs> Like <laughs> that boy's
0: uh, hyped up off his tree.
2: <laughs> so cool podcast idea. If you want to do like a caffeine one, the caffeine corner. You call it the roast, the- and <gasps> you both drink coffee and just be mean to each other the whole time. No, ragging I ragging on each
1: other. I like a chill one where I'm sipping. I'm sipping some kind of flavor, and it's the caffeine
2: corner. And I sit down and I you know oh, put a pair okay. of glasses on and I read a book to you. <laughs> so you you were thinking <laughs> I'm relaxing. I'm I'm thinking let's just go at each other with some scolding hot coffee right now. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I think they
1: think that's a good spot Welcome to Table Talk Friday This week on the show, we're going to be taking a deep dive into clerics My name is Seth Pittman I'm joined by my two lovely friends, Andrew Romano
2: and Zachary Carvon How are you boys doing today? I'm feeling pretty good I did have to walk over here in the rain So again, squishy socks But we're feeling solid, had a good day at work And uh, now we're talking about coffee Game of Thrones so. socks Oh, they, you know, I always look at these and I forget what they are To be perfectly honest It's been, what? two, three years since i watched Game of Thrones?
0: Nah, it's obviously House Lannister, and I totally noticed that before now that you pointed that out, Seth. (laughs) I did it.
2: it. Wait, is the lion Lannister?
0: Yeah. I I can't remember which one's which. I know the elk never did anything. That's all I know. To answer your question, Seth, I'm doing great. (laughs) Uh, I was doing horrible all day because we just had some new neighbors move in downstairs, and they were like putting together, I don't know, a fucking water park. It was nonstop, just hammering and banging, and and you know sounds bang. of things. Yeah, yeah, they were. Uh, <laughs> not only were they drinking bang, but I'm pretty sure they were having intercourse too. Dude. So it it was just you know it was too much for my. Dude, they my were hyped brain. out of their gourd. Yeah, just- <laughs> 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 they were out of their frigging gourd, man. <laughs> um, but now I'm doing great, and you know I'm excited to talk about clerics because I I think this is this is sort of a meme among us that uh, that drew just loves clerics. I do. Um, Which is why
1: he'll be talking for the next 45 minutes and Zach and I will sit here quietly. You guys just yeah, leave.
0: Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> not to, uh, you know, just show my hand too early, but in my preparation for this episode, I was looking through the the cleric subclasses and, you know, I, I realized that they're sort of a mixed bag for me. Like, I, I there's a lot of things to love about clerics, but as far as, like, we have talked about power creep and how the the player's handbook... Uh, subclasses don't seem to have as much oomph versus some of the the later ones. I definitely think that that's probably at its like uh, greatest extreme with the cleric uh, subclasses. They're just looking through back through all of them, now I remember why I don't think about the knowledge domain cleric or the nature domain cleric because they're they're just odd they're odd ducks in a sea of what what's overall a very interesting and powerful class. See, that's, that's what's interesting about a lot of the clerics is as you read through those subclasses, there's a
2: couple things that are staples. There's a couple things that are like, oh, that's kind of weird. Why would, why would they put that in that? But every subclass of cleric has something, something that's enticing that makes you want to play it. Even the, the nature domain, which is probably, I would say, one of the weaker ones, probably not a fan favorite, has one really cool ability. Around, I'm going to jump into an ability, if that's cool. Uh, around level six, they could just give people resistance on an elemental attack, which is kind of cool. You're like uh, like Avatar The Last Airbender, but you could suck in the energy before it hits one of your friends, which is pretty cool. Yeah,
0: and you know, <laughs> not to get too mired in the mechanics discussion already, but I'll tell you why that sucks. And it's uh, it's oh, a little no, thing Zan- called uh, Xanathar's Guide to Everything, where they released the Absorb Elements spell. And so the caveat of this whole friggin' thing, uh, yes, it I believe it is infinite, so you can do it as many times as you like, but you use your reaction for, for that round, using or, or giving resistance to a single attack, I can tell you something that can do that, it's absorb elements and it doesn't eat up your whole subclass. Because the other two features that you get as a nature domain cleric are charm animals, which at second level you get your channel divinity where you can uh, charm plants and animals around you. Uh, they're only charmed, you don't have control over what they do, and then at 17th level, you can finally use a bonus action to tell them what to do. That's their capstone (laughs) ability, is something that the ranger gets at level three, so I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Now,
1: let's not get caught up in the minutiae of what, I'm going to be the mediator here. (laughs) Please, thank you. Let's not get caught up in the minutiae of what a cleric can do at 17th level. Let's talk about what the cleric can do at level one. Up until they get their, well, they get their subclass right at the beginning, correct?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, just right out of the gate, um, speaking about you know fifth edition, clerics I think are a fantastic multi-class because they do get their domain and some interesting special features right out of the box. So, at first level, of course, uh, they are a full caster. Uh, we mentioned that, so they cast. Uh, you know, if they take them to twentieth level, they they get first through ninth level spells. And uh at first level they get their cantrips, their spell casting, they can do ritual casting which is nice for uh you know cast ritual spells for free if they take the time to do the ritual. And then uh they get their divine domain stuff which is it's it is pretty much everything that the cleric gets. So they they get um just their spell casting, uh their channel divinity and then uh divine intervention at 10th level and then their domain. So uh, really, everything uh, baked into the cleric, I'll say, uh, revolves around what domain you pick, and you know, at sort of a uh, just a baseline level, what that means is your deity. So, I'm a cleric of life. I pledge myself to uh, a goddess of life. I don't, I don't, know, Shantia. I can't think of <laughs> many more than that. Um, or you know, I'm a cleric of war. So I've I've bound myself to Torm, or or you know, whoever else.
2: And that's, I, I would say that's probably one of my least favorite things about the clerics is right off the bat, and I know we've talked about this before, is kind of the stereotype that as a cleric, you have to be bound to some sort of god, you have to have some sort of uh, worship or, or something you do that connects you to this, this otherworldly deity, right? Um, I love clerics for the exact other reason, though, is that for the first three, four clerics I played, I was not worshiping any deity. That wasn't the vibe I went for. But that ties in to the overall feel of the cleric is you could do anything, anything you want as a cleric, because you have so many subclass options and paths to take. To your point, you were talking about the like the domain spells and the different domains you can pick. That is everything. You can pick, so you wanna play cleric, right? Play cleric but there's, I think, 13. There's quite a few subclasses that you can choose from. You can be anything you want. If you want to be a healer, you can be one of the best healers as a cleric. If you want to be a damage dealer, you can be a solid damage dealer as a cleric. You want to be more of an artificer uh, supportive, you could be, I think, like a war cleric. They're pretty solid. There's just too many options for me to negate the cleric. It's just... It's... There's so much flavor involved. The He's one thing so I'd excited. say a
1: cleric is not is a like full on frontal. I mean, you can be you can be a very defensive cleric and take a lot of hits, but a full on like melee of uh, like frontliner. Yeah. I I think your cleric can be on the front line, for instance, taking a lot of hits, um, especially if they have like heavy armor and whatnot. But I do not think that a cleric is going to be dealing massive amounts of damage with their, you know, their melee weapon at all times. While it is a secondary option, though.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And so, uh, what the the cleric does bring, I think inherently, there are some clerics that lean more to like a almost a half castery feel, where they get some benefits. Uh, for example, some clerics get access to martial weapons and heavy armor. Some don't, um, and, and so you sort of get that freedom to say, okay, well. My cleric's going to be more of a a frontliner, you know, eating hits and and you know providing uh, support to the team that way. Or my cleric's gonna uh, you know stand back, cast spells either to debuff the enemy or or you know be buffing my party that way. Um, but but I, I do like the uh, the breadth of variety that you you do get with the cleric class. So a lot of people look at the cleric uh, right out of the gate and say, oh well. I don't know if I want to like devote myself to a god. Like, uh, I'm playing D and D, so I can do whatever I want. You're telling me I have to follow rules and like, <laughs> you know, think about the ramifications of my actions in the eyes of my deity. Like, and, and I've definitely heard horror stories of DMs saying, "No, your character wouldn't do that. You're a cleric of blah blah blah. Uh,
2: you know, oh, they, they would that. disown you."
0: So th- th- it's definitely coming from a, a real place, but. I would not allow that at my table. I say, you know, you are you're choosing this class for, you know, the the features that you get out of it, right? Mm-hmm. What you make of that and how you want to express that. Nowhere in the book does it say you have to follow uh, you know, the tenets to the letter or you lose your class and you're disgraced and you become a shitty fighter. Like that that never happens in 5th edition. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't bring it up at my table.
1: And you could also treat it in the vein of, like, a warlock if you wanted, where, like, power is granted to you through a deity, uh, whether you like it or not. So you could be, like, the chosen of Mithra, and now you're a, an arcana cleric, and you have to deal with the fact that, all right, I've been granted this. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, and I'm going to abuse the hell out of your powers that you've given me, but I don't give a crap about you. Um, And, you know, Mithra is continuously like, no, 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 you're going to do what I want. You'll see. Uh, you know kind of pushing you in that in that vein you can you can get creative with it or um, likewise I do think playing holy characters and like devout um, followers of a god with like tenants and stuff is still really cool Um, granted I haven't played a lot of characters like that I'm more of the like um, the noble mischievous archetype um, or like I'll um, play a little bit more innocent characters on that side but I I do like the idea of it. Uh, I did play what my first character was a monk who followed Mithra, uh, which was interesting, um, to, to say the least. But at the
0: now, is it Mithra or Mistra? Mistra, I'm dumb. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah, Mistra. In, in Forgotten Realms, that's the the goddess of magic or something. Yeah. So I, I was yeah, following I, you 100 there. I would have believed you the entire time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, what no, Mithra is from Smash Brothers Ultimate. Of course. (laughs) Pyra Pyra and Mithra. (laughs) Can that be your duty? Xenoblade
0: Chronicles 2 for the Nintendo
1: Switch. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Not sponsored. But yes, I played uh, a monk that followed Mithra, and... um, you know, well, my character and your character, Haymog, would go, like, back and forth on, like, ah, uh, well, you know, I kind of stand for this. Well, I kind of stand for this. So I would make this decision. Well, I would make this decision, you know. We would go back and forth on those things. and Those are fun things that can come up with the um, with players at the party. Or, for instance, if you've watched The Legend of Vox Machina, not sponsored, um, <laughs> you see, like, Pike go through her entire journey with, like, um, her religion and everything, like getting cut off for magic and then getting it back, and it's very interesting to see all of that happen.
0: Right, right, and, and so the 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 discussion of all right, make your cleric your own. That's not you know free license to say, well, let's throw out all the things that we might expect from a cleric, right? Um, just for the sake of it, Th- there are amazing role playing opportunities that can come from that. I think one of my favorite things that Seth put me through as a player. Was um, as Morwin, I wasn't a cleric, but I was a uh, divine soul sorcerer paladin uh, of Lethander, and so I, you know, I had my relationship with my uh, my deity, just like a cleric does, and you know, th- there was some level of of you know devotion and you know swearing an oath to uphold these tenets. Well, uh, Seth did what any good DM would do, and he tempted me with a a demon's power. So uh, this uh, <laughs> demon Atil. Uh, granted me a special cuff that enhanced not only my uh, my spell attack mod, but also my spell save DC, which was just super powerful. I think we were like level five yeah. when he gave this to me. And I was like, ugh, this is so, it, you know, I, I really felt the temptation of like, this is such a good item. If, you know, if I give this up, I'm intentionally nerfing myself, so really it, it would be in my best interest to just like hang on to it as long as possible. Um, but, but luckily, you didn't take it though, Zach, because your relationship with Lethander was so strong. Well, no, so <laughs> uh, so, but we got to play all that out through role play. So um, we toyed with for a while um, the idea of me using that cuff and uh, our Barrel, our Bard, or or you know. Uh, budding warlock, he was multi-classing into warlock at the time, uh, also had a demon that uh, that he was befriending. I think it was Aetil too. It was the same one, yeah. Yeah, same demon. So same demon's trying to get in my pants and I'm like, this almost seems like a good idea. But but then uh, that's what uh, triggered my decision to to finally swear my oath. So I was like a level two paladin at this point and then I finally said, no, I, I swear my my devotion to a lefander. I take an oath of redemption. Um, from you know uh, evil places, good can always arise, and Morwin himself was an example of that. So it was just like perfect. <laughs> I forgot that I did any of this. Yeah, well, <laughs> and you know, a lot of this was expressed just like in my my thoughts, right? Because I was thinking, okay, well, I was going to go full you divine it clear soul at yeah. the table. Oh, a hundred percent, and uh, you know, we had plenty of asides where like. You know, uh, the party rests for the night. What do you all do? Uh, you know, Morwen and Beryl have a little aside where we talk about. So what's what's that demon, uh, like, giving you power for? What's what's the deal with that, huh? <laughs> and, you know, just, just fun little stuff like that. So uh, all this to say, there's a lot of really cool, really satisfying role play that can come out of having, you know, uh, set in stone religions at uh, your, in your campaign. Um, but And there's tons of different ways to express that, too. Uh, in the Forgotten Realms, for example, there's kind of no denying that the gods exist, right? Like, if you're an atheist, oh, yeah. you're an idiot. <laughs> like, there are people walking around all the time, you know, raising people from the dead and curing wounds uh, through divine power. And, like... Regularly, we know of cataclysmic, like, world-building events where the gods intervened, and because of the gods, this happened. There's I'm the... pretty sure within the last century, Tiamat was flying around. Oh. Yeah, and, and friggin', <laughs> uh, the, what, before 5th edition, there's the spell plague because yes. Mystra, uh died and was reborn or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so this stuff is undeniable. But, say, in a, uh, in a setting like Eberron, they do... Uh, what is probably my favorite treatment of religion, and they treat it like the real world, where um, we don't uh, know. Yeah, we don't know uh, if the gods exist, um, but there are you know religions and factions surrounding different deities, and clerics do have magical power, but there's no proof where that's coming from. We have wizards too, who can also cast spells. So maybe so, they're just you know healy wizards. Yeah, maybe uh, one's own faith is enough to bring. Uh, you know, magic forth, who's to say? So uh, I think that that's a really cool, like worldwide sort of way to treat magic. But uh, I I also do just have a soft spot for Forgotten Realms. I feel like it's our default at our table. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with uh, getting to meet Zariel and saying, hey, you want to come help us kill a dragon real quick? (laughs) Which we did. (laughs) See, all this sounds so wonderful. I really do
2: want to play a very religious um, spiritually bound character, right? But I'm also scared a little bit to be bound to this person for an entire campaign, you know? Because if... I imagine thinking of like a player, right? Because you can't get rid of a player that you don't like at the table per se. You're kind of stuck in the game with them for a little while. It's like, am I going to not like this deity? Or is Seth going to trick me and this deity is actually evil, but <laughs> I thought he was really good this whole time? You know, it's... I feel like it might get me too paranoid because i'm already paranoid i get very into the game i get very invested I'm like oh if i do this as pythe this might not work or this might not happen and so i'll become indecisive but if it's an actual god that's watching over me that might
0: take all of my powers i don't know it might be too much or at 10th level as a cleric you uh could summon them and then they they don't take your powers but they grant you the, their full godly might for whatever the fuck you're <laughs> i mean to kill the red dragon you're fighting yeah within within reason right or, you know, send Asmodeus back to hell.
1: All right. So now we've talked about the concept of clerics a whole lot. Now, why don't we get into, like, the actual gameplay mechanics of a cleric? Zach, what do I get whenever I pick
0: the cleric class for the first time? Sure. And I'm just pulling up my player's handbook. Good thing that I'm riffing here in such a hey, casual no, we, way. We you bragged about this.
1: you being the encyclopedia on the what, whatever episode you were missing the, on. Oh,
2: gosh. What was it? I don't. It was the episode where we had absolutely zero structure. Zach, you were gone for too <laughs> long. I'm so glad you're back. Just yeah. seeing you hold that book makes me feel better. Yeah. Episode
0: is uh, we got our first write in. Anyway, I'm pretty uh, sure I, I, I labeled all of the um, the features already. Oh, you know, I missed destroy undead. So we'll we'll go through again. They get their spell casting. They get their features from their divine domain, which we'll cover in a little bit. Um, they get their channel divinity, which going into that uh, just a little bit more. There's a it's sort of like a secondary spell almost. So uh, it's a feature that they can use once per day uh, or twice at higher levels. Um, And essentially there are different features that can be fueled by your channel divinity. So every cleric automatically has turn undead. And what that does is uh, you you can present your holy symbol and speak a prayer censoring the undead. Each undead creature that can uh, see or hear you within 30 feet must make a wisdom saving throw. If the creature fails the saving throw, it is turned for one minute or until it takes any damage. Essentially, being turned means that they run, they're not not—they're uh, no longer hostile um, because they need to get away from you as fast as possible. Uh, it's sort of just like a, a shutdown for if ever you run into a horde of undead. This is really cool for that specific situation, but I've been in campaigns before where a n- never once did an undead creature show up. So uh, th- this is sort of, again, mechanically, it's cool when it comes up, but... I think I've probably seen a cleric use this feature like twice.
2: <laughs> See, that's the thing. It's, it's so rare. But when you do pull it off, you're in a cave just crawling with zombies and they're about to overtake you and your party. And you use this, which, by the way, you can use twice, by the way. So if it doesn't work the first time, you use it again. Right. And you get these back on a short rest.
0: These things are so cool. So when you actually do it, you're going to be the coolest person at the table for sure. Uh, you get them back on a short rest? Yes, short rest. Oh, and you know what? You get three channel divinities at 18th level, so I'm so sorry about uh, dissing these. They're actually quite good. Uh, for paladins, they also get channel divinity, but it, you only get it back on a long rest, so their version's a little shittier, but but anyway, yeah. again, turn undead is a cool thematic spell. I love the idea of, like, the cleric uh, raises their symbol and, you know, a holy beam of light shoots down through, like, a crack in the cave and uh, all the, you know, the undead flee. But I ran Curse of Strahd as a DM with a cleric in the party. And again, it never came up.
2: <laughs> really? Not
0: yeah. in Curse of Strahd? Well, you
1: gave us a really strong item that just lets us kill them. So.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Well, and you know, I, th- I was desperate to find things that weren't just undead because th- you were running into them left and right. And usually it was more beneficial for the cleric to do something like cast Spirit Guardians than try and get them all to run away.
1: Which yeah, I will true. mention is the best cleric
2: spell.
0: Yeah, and we've covered this in our frequently cast spells third level, so we won't harp on it too much. Oh, but, we will. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, if you're you know that that frontliner cleric who wants to get in and you know uh, deal out those attacks, I mean at eighth level even uh, the the cleric, well, we'll get there. But anyway, uh, you deal a lot of damage to everything in the front line and keep it from running away. Everything has half movement while it's in your, I believe it's a fifteen foot radius yes. sphere. Um, and they're constantly taking 3d8 or upcast more, uh, radiant damage or necrotic damage each time. So it's, uh, it's pretty fucking good. Um, at fifth level you get destroy undead, which is the most underwhelming feature. I've never seen a cleric get this off, not even once. Um, and all it does is when a creature, an undead again, fails your saving throw for your turn undead, if they're below a certain, uh, challenge rating, they are destroyed instantly, which sounds fucking cool. Like, you walk into a room full of skeletons, you use your one attack, they all fail because they have low wisdom, and the cleric just ended an encounter right there. But what DM in their right mind is just going to throw a bunch of skeletons at a fifth-level party? That's not super interesting. Uh, A
2: cool one, for sure.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I can imagine, like, say maybe a, a cod zombies situation where, you know, you're all holed up and there's, you know, a horde of undead trying to break down the doors, then the cleric comes out and yeah, you, you, you know you knock out a, a large uh, area of undead that'd be pretty cool, but um hmm. but otherwise it doesn't come up super often. So the, the calls also just fireball. Yeah yeah exactly <laughs> right.
2: Yeah but I feel like this is the way to use your holy might. You know
1: no I I get it and it it Drew I understand it is so cool in
0: concept. Ugh. This is
1: never going to happen. I mean it might happen one time every now and then, but it's not a useful ability to have around all the time.
0: Right so, at seventeenth level. Um, the highest CR that this affects is creatures of CR4, which doesn't even cover up to, uh, you know, Revenants, Vampire Spawn, Mm. uh, a lot of the more common uh, undead creatures that you'll run into. I mean, uh, realistically, the only things that I see you using this on are zombies zombies and and skeletons. skeletons. That's what I was thinking.
2: The cool thing about that, though, is I do think zombies and skeletons are CR quarter or CR half. So at level five, you can instantly destroy them, which is sick. But to your point... A lot of the times when you go up against these undead creatures, zombies, skeletons, whatever, they're usually modified in some way just to make them fun so they're not boring old zombies and skeletons. So I think back to a really interesting encounter that Zach had set up for us in uh, in Saltmarsh where we ended up fighting some some gilded skeletons. And so what we had to do is we had to deal damage to them. Uh, it reduced or it melted off the, the golden gilding on them, and then you could actually uh, finish them off, which was a really cool encounter. So I guess the question stands at that point is... If you were to use that ability, you were level five. Let's say you had this ability, right? Would the skeletons or zombies be destroyed? Because technically, you homebrewed them, right? You buffed them up. So are they still a CR quarter or yeah, CR I'd make half? Them destroyed.
0: Yeah, I'd say so. Well, one hit. So the the the, the functional mechanics. If uh, this is actually in the book in Saltmarsh. So if you want to uh, to yeah, play don't in give that, that credit to uh, Zach. Well, <laughs> we've we've already spoiled it. But uh well, you know, I described it really cool too. So You uh, did. It was it yeah. was We'll uh we'll give that credit back to me. I'm an awesome DM. But um, <laughs> Uh but yeah, it it doesn't increase their CR. Uh, all it does is the first attack that hits them has resist or they have resistance against. So okay. Uh, the, okay. Cool thing though, and I would definitely, you know, if I had uh you know, a party cleric and I wanted to be just a super cool DM, I would throw shit like that in there. Um, so that they had the ability. Our cleric was already doing just fine in Curse of Strahd, though, so I didn't feel the need to uh, supplement her victories with more things that she could destroy undead.
2: So I'm going to continue to relentlessly defend clerics for the rest of my life because I love them, and I think they're just the best thing to play, period, right? And you guys all know my playstyle. I love playing support characters, which clerics are the best support characters. And um, I also really, really like The plays i'm a playmaker as long as i do one cool thing during the session that's super sick i feel satisfied right that's exactly what clerics are that's they're the best support characters that have all these little bombs that they can pull off periodically right no you can't use your turn undead all the time very effectively no you can't use your destroy undead very effectively divine intervention no it probably doesn't work too often but when it works Oh, that's it. That, we have we that have had a over. divine
1: intervention go off when uh, Patrick played a cleric one time,
0: and, <laughs> and it was yeah, super cool. His
1: only time he's ever used divine intervention, it goes off.
0: And I think the only time any of us have ever used divine intervention, it went off.
1: Yeah, really. So, yeah, that was intense. That was crazy, and it was so much fun. But I, and I'm not dissing clerics, Drew. I I think clerics are really cool and really interesting and there's so many ways to make clerics cool and dare I say even one of the most powerful classes but I mean that one ability not for it
0: yeah and I I agree so we'll continue on uh again destroy undead increases when you level up the last uh common feature for every cleric that they get is divine intervention which beginning at 10th level you could call in your deity to intervene on your behalf when your need is great uh Essentially, the idea is that it's just a super rare thing that can save your ass in a, in a time of need. So, say, we've used everything else, I don't know, fucking pray. <laughs> and sometimes it works. So, um, and when it does, it's cool. Yeah, 100%. Uh, imploring your deity's aid requires you to use your action, describe the assistance you seek, and roll percentile dice, a D100. If you roll uh, a number equal to or lower than your cleric level, your deity intervenes. So as you level up, the chance gets incrementally higher that it's going to go off, but it doesn't get higher than a 20% chance, and you used your action on a 20% chance, even at 20th level. And
1: I'm just going to go ahead and say the one time that Patrick used it was super cool. He could have gotten much more out of it, but um, you guys were fighting fighting a... Um, like an astral projection form of Asmodeus um, at the time that had enveloped the Dean of a college or of a school. And you guys were fighting against him. And um, one of the students, Patrick's character prayed to his God. I don't even remember who his God was at the time. I don't think he,
0: it, he never specified a God. Oh so. yeah. Cause he was a
1: twilight domain. And so um, I had basically um, alien X from Ben 10 show up uh, like the, <laughs> a God of the stars Like, literally, some starry form blobby creature comes out of the woodworks, like, coming out from the stars that were in the sky. And then, um, I believe, Doorknob's one request was to separate the body of the Dean from this astral projection. So, that's what the figure did. It walked up, it put its hands between the astral projection and the Dean, tore him out of it, dropped him to the ground, and um, then all you guys had left was the feral form of
0: Asmodeus to fight off as opposed to this intelligent, wise caster form,
1: which was really cool and really fun.
0: Yeah, uh, super fucking cool. And I just need to correct myself as well um, since I just said some bad information and I know you all are, were about <gasps> to email us at tabletalkfriday at gmail.com telling me how wrong I was. <laughs> at 20th level, your call for intervention does succeed automatically, no role required. So, oh. uh, So at 20th level you can use your action to ask your deity to do literally anything That's for just you. That's too strong. Well, but, but, <laughs> but, 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 wizards get Wish, and clerics, you know, the, for, you know, everything else that they get, also have some very powerful spells that they should be casting at 20th level. Yeah, and monks uh, don't have to eat food. And a cleric in and of themselves, at 20th level is as powerful as a god, pretty much. Yeah, fair. Yeah,
2: I, I think it balances out considering you are level 20 at that point. Plus, keep in mind, divine intervention is so rare that when it does happen, it feels very strong. But if it's happening all the time and you're, you're a 20th level cleric and you're doing it, you know, every few sessions, I feel like the DM will get used the to hard, it. The hard thing about that is introducing a 20th
1: level cleric NPC. Because then you know that person, they can ask their god for anything.
2: But I feel like at that level, you wouldn't ask for anything. You know, like you'd hit a certain level of wisdom. You know, you would have the power of the gods at your fingertips. So you wouldn't you wouldn't need just anything. You would only call upon right. them when you needed them. Well,
0: a- and at the same time, you can only do it once per long rest. And once you do it, regardless of if you're 20th level or not, uh, the deity will not help you uh, for seven days after you succeed. Yeah, it's like your once-a-week
1: tea with God.
0: <laughs> yeah, like you do it again, and he says, listen, dude, I gave you divine power. Figure it out. I just gave you your gun. Go use it. <laughs> you
2: used it like three days ago, man. Just do something else. Come on. But I, I still... I think I, lo- I love, 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 love divine intervention. I think it's very cool. It's the ultimate playmaker. Um, but... One of my absolute favorite things about clerics as we begin to look into them a little more in depth is we've already touched on their channel divinities, right? We have the turn undead or destroy undead at level five, right? But one of the absolute coolest features of clerics is the secondary one that you do get. So, every subclass of Cleric, in one way or another, does get their their secondary channel divinity that's super freaking cool. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not super strong, it's very flavorful and it plays to the subclass very well. They range from just doing ultimate levels of healing to a bunch of your teammates, doing absolutely bomb lightning damage to one single target or something like an AoE.
0: Wow, I wonder which Cleric gets that one. I,
2: mean, I don't know. I'm not sure. Not my favorite one, for sure. Um, or personal favorite, um, one of the, the war, I think it's the war, the warbound bound war I can't remember which one it's called. It's just the war cleric, I think. Um, they get a plus 10 to any attack within their range. I think it's like a yeah. 30 foot. So one of your buddies is going to go shoot a sharpshooter shot plus 10. That's so cool.
0: I will correct you there. Um, at second level, it's just on your attacks, but at sixth level, all you get is the ability to extend it to your friends. And it still costs a a, a channel divinity like normal. But you're right. uh, Plus 10 in general is still a really cool fucking thing. Uh, And even uh, I think the Oath of Conquest Paladin, I'm not going to look it up. I'm pretty sure they also get something similar where they can add a plus 10. But the cleric can do it multiple times. Oh, yeah. Channel divinities
1: are super cool. Uh, The Peace Cleric, the one I got to use recently, it lets you basically do a... um, Almost like in a uh, Shardalon Stride, except instead of leaving like Napalm behind you, you're leaving healing magic. So you run past a bunch of allies and heal them all at once um, using bonus extra movement that you get on top of your current movement. It's just so freaking cool. I love the Channel Divinities. They make your character much more cool, thematic, powerful. And uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about that.
0: Well, and, and so I think we've sort of teased what some of our favorite clerics are so i think we should go around in a circle before we get into uh, any more nitty-gritty about tempest. any any specific okay <laughs> seth right out of the gate you're gonna steal tempest from drew you're gonna How say that your favorite you, is tempest right yeah now? because
1: i've only played two different kinds of clerics which are tempest and peace and tempest is cooler those are my two favorite ones <laughs> yeah so I, those are the two that are i haven't played tempest i've seen you play tempest and then i've played peace peace was so much fun it was super cool i don't like the spells that it gets um as opposed to a lot of the other ones really you don't like the spells the peace cleric gets well, yeah, get, yeah I,
0: and and so to to mention each divine domain gets two spells of uh first through fifth level uh prepared at all times so yes yeah, so you and, just get a bunch of extra spells basically 100% and and usually or the best uh cleric subclasses have spells that aren't on their typical spell list so Things from, you know, the paladin or the wizard or, you know, uh, other shit.
2: So do all, I'm, I'm thinking about this now, do all casters get some type of domain-esque spells? Not wizards. Because I don't think like wizards do, but warlocks do, sorcerers do, clerics do.
0: Uh, uh, so some half-casters do. Uh, bards don't at all, I don't think. Um, no,
2: they don't get any, uh, like, valor
0: or lore spells? No, no. well, uh, they I do mean, get you know, something different, but it's it's not the same.
1: Yeah, so no, not every class is like that. That's not what this is about. Drew, why don't you tell us about the Tempest Cleric?
0: Ooh, okay. All right, all right. So
2: I am going to flip the page. But the the Tempest Cleric is, I think, one of the absolute most flavorful clerics on the books, period. I think they're... In strength-wise, I think they're probably one of the stronger ones, if I if I had to guess, damage-dealer-wise. Um, but, of course, we've already talked about clerics. They're not the best damage-dealers. There's always going to be someone else. They could do probably a little bit more, but they do deal some good damage. So, right off the bat, think Thor, right? We always compare the Tempest Cleric to Thor. He's just... This worshiper of some sort of godlike, you know, thunderous being. It could be Thor. It could be. I think it's uh, Magna, something like that. Storm Mouse is the well. I believe the Thunder God or, or one of the gods St- of giants. Oh, some, something Mouse Don Mouse something like that. Yeah, Storm Mouse. Storm. It's Storm Mouse. That's what. That's what I'm gonna go
1: with the pronunciation. S <laughs> T O R N M A U S. Okay. Okay. In what? Um, he's the god of the storm giants, I believe. He's one of one of their like sub sub gods. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Storm mouse.
2: But and that's another cool thing about the Tempest Clerics is that they have a couple different options. I can't name them. It's actually my least favorite thing about being a religious or spiritual character, is that there's way too many gods to pick from. I don't know any of them. I know like two. <laughs> you have like Lethander, and then you have like the Storm Lord guy. That's about it. Maybe Mistra. Right, so that's three. Three I named off the bat.
0: Well, yeah, and in Forgotten Realms, I'm pretty sure all of the the Tempest Domain deities are evil. So there's Talos, there's Umberly, um, Stormmouse. I, I mean, maybe he's good, but he's a he's a god giant. He's like an obscure giant. Yeah, he's like a titan. giant god. Yeah. Also,
2: lightning damage probably one of the coolest damage types in the game. Oh yeah, so easy to flavor. You can describe it any way you want. You literally calling down lightning. Anything Thor could do in any of the movies, you could do it, too. little aside that I want to talk about on another episode, but we got to talk about how I can make
1: Frozone in D&D. <laughs> you just thought of it right now? I just thought of it right now because I think ice ice is really cool. Uh, there's not really good uses of ice in D&D. Anyways,
2: we'll talk about that later. Which, in your domain spells, as a Tempest Cleric, you do actually get some ice spells like uh, Sleet Storm and Ice Storm. So, pretty cool little options. You are a little stormy, if you will, not to be confused with the Storm Sorcerer. Um, but right off the bat... Uh, They get Wrath of the Storm, which Wrath of the Storm is a variant, if you will, of kind of what a tiefling gets at uh, level one or when you choose your race. So if you get hit with a melee attack, you can use your reaction to Hellish Rebuke, and I believe it's called a Thunderous Rebuke in this this form here. But it's 2d8 thunder or lightning damage, and they have to make a dex save. Which is cool. It's something nice, little bonus to have. Get a little extra damage in. Get the, the thorns armor from Minecraft, kind of a feel. You know, it's yeah.
1: It's like when Captain America hits his, uh, or when Thor hits his hammer into
2: Captain America's shield, and he gets blown backwards.
1: Yeah, like yeah. That. It's
2: it makes you feel really strong because it makes you feel like people can't hit you, or if they do, they're gonna take damage anyway. So it's like, don't hit me anyway. There's no reason to. Do it.
0: Yeah, and, and what's nice about it versus Hellish Rebuke is it's not a spell. It's just something that you use up to your wisdom uh, modifier per, uh, amount of times per day, I-, I believe. So
2: Yeah, I believe you can only use it so many times, um, which actually makes me think of what we talked about recently, where some of the newer changes to spellcasters couldn't be uh, counterspelled, per se. I would say definitely this could not be counterspelled because you're using yeah, you know, a sure. holy form of magic or you know, divine power, if you will. So yeah, absolutely. So not. I would say this goes off pretty much no matter what. So it is better course. than
0: Hellish Rebuke in most cases, I would say uh i I guess there's benefits and detriments to both, but yeah you, you get thunder damage, which almost nothing resists right, so that's true that's but true. but fire does have you know things that are vulnerable to it, which I don't think thunder damage does typically, so go like thunder damage hits everything. zach. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> well, next time I when make I'm a fly- monster out of glass, I should reconsider, because that's I've a terrible idea. I played Elden
1: idea. Ring, and they have those gem monsters. I feel like they are weak to thunder damage.
0: Yeah, uh, the Crystallians. That's what I said. Yeah, of course. <laughs> or, or is it Crystallians? Because they look kind of like aliens. Oh, they so. do. And they're probably from space. It's Crystallians. <laughs>
2: so, moving on from the Crystallians, uh, <laughs> cool, I think probably one of the absolute coolest things that they get in this subclass is the Channel Divinity Destructive Wave. I don't need to look at this too much because it's my absolute favorite thing. Whenever you're dealing lightning or thunder damage, right, against one of your opponents, you can choose as a free action to instead not roll, but do maximum damage to the enemy. That includes the damage we just talked about, right, in your little thunderous rebuke. That could be a shatter. It could be a call of lightning, perhaps a lightning bolt if you had some to cast 20. It. A natural 20. Oh! I, just, <laughs> I only had this go off, I think, twice when I played this in Eberron, but it's incredible just knowing that you have this little bomb ready to go at any point because you just choose when you want to use it as a free action. It Anything you want to do with lightning, you could do it right then, twice yeah. a day, anything you want. Yeah, no, that's super cool. It's I will shit on safe.
0: your uh, your parade a little bit there. there. You're not likely to get a nat 20 that does lightning or thunder damage. Um, I, I guess with your divine strikes, which you get at eighth level, your attack does a D8 of that, but it's not as powerful. A magic as item
1: that possibly deals some extra lightning damage or something.
0: That could be. That's true. Uh, you know, it, possibilities are endless in D anD. d I'm just saying, uh, for for the cleric, you're not usually going to get a crit on that. They probably didn't intend for you to. You know, I'll let you change true, guiding bolt to lightning damage, and then we can talk. Yeah, there we lightning go. Lightning bolt. Go. Oh wait, that's a spell. <laughs>
2: Which, bringing us up to the next one, Divine Strike, Um, to be honest, Divine Strike, I think with this subclass specifically, works very well, because they're a very damage DPS-based type of cleric. They're meant to do lightning damage, and nothing but lightning damage, for the most part. Um, But Divine Strike does actually work with, and double-check me if I'm incorrect, all other clerics they do get a, at least a form of this in some way that increases their damage. I believe Peace Clerics specifically, which I think it's very odd that Peace Clerics get this, but um, Peace Clerics specifically only worked with cantrips, I want to say, that did divine damage or something yeah, like and, that. Yeah,
0: and, and so that's, that's actually true for all clerics. They either get their, yeah. uh, their Divine Strike, which does an extra D8 at 8th level, or mm-hmm. at an extra 2D8 at 14th level, or they get their potent spellcasting, I believe, or pot- potent cantrips, which lets them add their wisdom modifier to a a roll from one of their cantrips. Or, in Tasha's, they added the extra feature, which I'm blanking on the name of. I've got it over here. Blessed Strikes, which lets you add a D8 to either uh, one of your spells or your melee attacks. Um, But it's just one D8. It doesn't scale up.
2: Which, super cool, totally rubs me the wrong way. Because right? I think of these like holy warriors or the, not holy warriors, but these these holy devout people, peace clerics, life clerics, people that to me aren't going to be doing a lot of combat, not a lot of damage, right, but they have these extra little oomphs of damage, just seems a little weird to me, but specifically with the Tempest cleric, I think it works the best, another reason to like these guys. Um, and of course, last for the Tempest clerics at level 17, they could fly, so that's cool. <laughs> Can't hurt. I like me some flight, free flight. Why not? It doesn't have to be a you know a certain level of darkness per se. Other subclasses of clerics, but they can
0: only fly outdoors. That is true. They
1: can't that is fly true. inside. Someone, that is true. someone holds like a fan over top of you, and it's like fuck. I'm inside. <laughs> you start falling.
0: <laughs> you know. I bet there have been several uh, semantic arguments about what indoors counts as. Oh my gosh! Like uh, um,
1: an airship flies over above. Over like over top of you, and it's like blocking out the wind
0: or the rain. Are you inside? Who you're knows? In, you're in the fucking rainforest. There's a, a canopy of leaves. There's no wind getting to you. You can't fly. You're inside, idiot. <laughs> it, it makes me think of those
2: awful moments in Skyrim where those little clips where you see them going into shopkeepers um, shops and putting buckets over their head and then stealing all of their items because they can't see. <laughs> so you just... The counter to a Tempest Cleric is just have a bucket on you at all times and they can't go anywhere. Because you're you inside. Yeah, you're yeah. inside. It you're definitely inside. works that way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, class, if you're wearing a hat, you're inside. You're
2: wearing a helmet, you're inside. Definitely. Inside. <laughs> you have to have your helmet off. It sparks debate the Tempest Cleric. Play Tempest Cleric if you want debates. Oh, I like, love yeah, that.
0: Yeah, uh, which I will say... um I on the one hand I feel like at 17th level everyone can fly just like let me fly whenever I want but at the same time I like that it's situational because it makes it feel unique so same thing with the the twilight cleric which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point um you can only fly while in dim light or darkness so Mm -hmm. but they get that at friggin sixth level which is crazy versus the friggin tempest clerics that get it at 17th that's ridiculous Anyway, we've talked about your guys' favorite uh, domain. I just have to bring up mine because it's the best one, objectively. No, that's fine. Well, and, and so... You've crunched the numbers. You're wrong. You're wrong. It's fine. Well, and, and so I do consider myself, like, of the three of us, I'm definitely the power gamer. Oh, so, yeah. So I know what the best option is. Um, and if you're talking, you know, raw uh, abilities, uh, mileage that you're going to get out of this class... Uh, nature, Claire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's the nature one. No, uh, the I mean, the Twilight domain is probably going to be the best one. Um, the Forge Domain is a close contender for my second one, but, boys, it, it's an upset. I'm going to have to give it to the Grave Domain Cleric. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a good one. That's a good one. And so what I love about the Grave Domain, and it's the same thing that I love about the Forge Domain, is uh, both are featured in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, and they just put the player's handbook, like the closest version of that, to shame. So... Uh, I, I consider the Forge Domain is the better version of the War Domain, and uh, the Grave Domain is the better version of the Life Domain, Cleric. So, what the whole idea behind the Grave is, you are not like a like a Death Cleric; you are not raising things from the dead, but you like walk the line between life and death, and it's all about like bringing people back from the brink of death. So, at their uh, their first level ability, they can manipulate the line between life and death. When you would normally roll one or more dice to restore hit points with a spell to a creature at zero hit points, you instead restore the highest number possible for each die. So, say if your friend goes all the way down, you're saving that third level spell slot to whip out just a massive cure wounds or a massive, you know, whatever you're packing. And then all of a sudden, you have the potential, even the life domain cleric has the potential to waste a high level spell slot on healing. Nah, nah. Uh, If we're getting them back up, It's full. And I love that. Uh, Additionally, they get Spare the Dying, which is sort of a useless cantrip uh, in general, (laughs) but you can cast it as a bonus action at range. So you can go around saying, You're up, you're up, you're up. Or, you know, You're not dead, you're not dead, you're not dead. Which, uh, just uh, incidentally, that's really cool. They get Eyes of the Grave, which lets them uh, detect undead within range, sort of like a Paladin does. Uh, I'm not going to go into that one too much, but uh, their Channel Divinity Path to the grave now this is the big gun this is so again i agree with you drew cleric is the quintessential support class and this is the biggest bro move really like going (laughs) grave domain you're never gonna get to use this on your own but you're gonna say hey bud i know you got your nuclear option hey hey, paladin hey i I don't know who you are whatever whatever Um, I'm going to make you look so fucking cool right now. (laughs) So, So you use this channel divinity against another creature. There is no save. It just happens. As an action, you choose one creature you can see within 30 feet of you, cursing it until the end of your next turn. The next time you or an ally of yours hits the cursed creature with an attack, the creature has vulnerability to all of that attack's damage, and then the curse ends. You do automatic double damage on that hit and i know everyone at the table is sweating they're waiting they're waiting for that nat 20 the friggin uh, i don't know the bard has given you, you know, your bardic inspiration it's got to hit the uh, i don't know the druid's cast fairy fire it's got advantage it's going to happen and when it does everyone friggin blows their mind it, 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 it's uh, i don't know I I love it. I love it so much. They're sauced out of their gourd. They're They're sauced (laughs) out of their gourd.
2: I just love that everyone at the table just instantly loses their shit all at once, just throwing things around the room. Just flipping the table
1: (laughs) and jumping out of windows
0: at sixth level. And again, one of the reasons that I love this subclass so much is just the naming of the features. It sounds so fucking metal. Like this is something straight out of Dark Souls. Sentinel at death's door. At sixth level, you gain the ability to impede death's progress as a reaction. When you or a creature you can see within 30 feet of you suffers a critical hit, uh, you can turn that crit into a normal hit. Any effects triggered by the crit are canceled. Uh, you can use this feature a number of times equal to your wisdom modifier.
1: All right. You know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the grave domain train now. It's my new favorite. I've just changed. I've flipped <gasps> sides. Uh, I hate Tempest Cleric, actually. It's wow. now at the bottom of the okay. list. Nature okay. is in second.
2: Mm. <laughs> okay,
0: okay. Not at 8th the level, they get their sp- uh, potent spellcasting. And then at 17th level, uh, you can seize a trace of vitality from a parting soul and use it to heal the living. When an enemy you can see dies within 60 feet of you, you or one creature of your choice that's within 60 feet of you regains hit points equal to the enemy's number of hit dice. You can only use this feature if you aren't incapacitated. Once you use it, you can't do so until the start of your next turn. But that means every turn you don't use a reaction. There's nothing that goes on with it. It just happens every time you kill something. You or your friends heal every single time. It's passive. It's happening all the time. It's way better than a life cleric. Okay. 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 Grave next domain. Step to the table.
1: Grave domain is very cool. You know, I being probably the least knowledgeable of clerics in in our little group right here. Um, I'm very impressed with what you guys have shown me with your passion for clerics today because I still have like 10% the passion that you guys have shown me
2: (laughs) as far as they go.
1: You know, I love rogues. I love rogues.
2: But they're not clerics, though.
1: (laughs) No, no, they're not. They're clerics with knives.
2: Could we just do a day? Honestly, it could be any day. Zach, you and I, we work together as hard as we can put together like a cleric PowerPoint for Seth. And we just present
1: clerics. I like as clerics,
2: Drew. I just like playing
1: other things more.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't I don't know if that friggin' unhinged tirade that I just went on, if that <laughs> didn't convince Seth that clerics are really cool. I don't I, think that I a just power said I think the grave
1: it. cleric is really, really cool and I am now on its side. I'm just not as interested in playing a cleric. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I you, know, you know I, like, I think clerics are great I, j- I just played the Peace cleric and it was fun um a little bit. And and I liked I liked a little bit of healing that I did, but I like I like making anime plays. You know, you like to make your your cool support play or your one big you know showstopper move. I like to constantly feel like an anime character, and I don't feel like that as a cleric. I feel like that as a rogue. I feel like that as the blade singer wizard that I played. Uh, as the monk that I played, I like anything that makes me feel like an anime character.
0: All right, all right, all right. But if Balrock the Undying wasn't an anime character, I don't know what was. And he was a grave domain cleric.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, no, no, I, You're misunderstanding me. Anime protagonist.
0: Ah, yeah, yeah, Balrock yeah. Balrock
1: is a side character. Of, he of course. He is not a protagonist.
0: Yeah, well, it, he's got to use his path to the grave so that someone else gets the glory.
1: Exactly. He is... He is the best friend to the anime
0: character. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's Goku holding Raditz in place, so Piccolo gets to use the special beam camera.
1: Yeah, everybody Everybody who's watched Dragon Ball Z knows that Piccolo was the main character.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I couldn't have made my point any better. So uh, you're welcome, Seth, for that, uh, that alley I just led you to the finish line there. Um, this episode... Has been going on for a while now. We're not going to get through all the features for these divine domains. No, we, we really it's don't. It's been close to an hour.
1: We um, we oh don't need to go through that because I I need to bring up a new segment. We got we to gotta move on. Guys, what has Eric been doing this week? Because we have some fan mail to go through. Oh. And the, clerics are awesome. I love talking about them. And I feel like we've done them a great service in the deep dive today. But we have some emails to go over. One, from our good old friend, good old gamer Eric. Hey there, crazy kids. I'm still catching up on the pod, so I'm not sure how many TTRPGs you guys have checked out other than good old D&D. Attached is the core rulebook for a Mass Effect game you might find interesting if you don't know about it already. That's not the interesting part that good old gamer Eric wrote us. He wrote us some PS messages that I just needed to follow up based on what we said last week at the end of the episode. Okay. PS, I am not Seth. But... He seems like a cool dude, so I wouldn't mind if I were. He's got great mm-hmm. taste in games. Y'all should fall in line and take notes. JK, you know it's not me because he said y'all, and I don't say y'all. Anymore. A- <laughs> and <laughs> I'm in my early 40s, so your old man impression of me was spot on, especially compared to you, Spring Chickens. And he left a very cool emoji. Um, P.P.S. Tali and Garrus forever. I like their chemistry. I don't romance either of them and ruin that. <gasps> Tali is like a little sister to me because she first joined, uh, joins while on her pilgrimage, which is like a coming-of-age thing for her. And Garrus is my best bud, so I'm his wingman, and sure, he gets the best. But I do agree that romancing Liara is kind of sus. So, you know, we're we're a little bit sus on that, Andrew. But, Gold Gamer Eric, thanks for following up. Um, I can't agree with you that Tali feels like a little sister. She is uh, a wife. She... <laughs> 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 She's the best romance option in the game. Um and other than that, Liara kinda of be, kinda of being sus makes half the internet kind of sus because yeah. everybody talks about the blue lady.
2: She is very memey, and Tali is not very memeable, I don't feel like.
1: No, Tali is not memeable at all. I feel I mean maybe a little bit. You know, she won't show her face. But when I think
2: Tali, <laughs> I think of a really cool story arc though. She had a really cool vibe going on. Yeah. You know who didn't? Liara.
1: Yeah, and while well, Liara had a really cool story arc, it just didn't have anything to do with having sex with us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> like her that's up. what it's all about, baby! <laughs> her, her whole
1: story arc was the fact that she, you know, is is on the back end. You know, she becomes a very high high figure on the... You know, I, it's been a while. I forget what she was called.
2: So shadow the shadow, shadow broker, broker. Yeah. yeah that was it that was it that was cute did yeah she, she
1: became the shadow broker which is a really cool storyline for her with the dlc in the second game anyways uh thank you good old gamer for writing in we always love hearing from you we have another email from a brand new listener named curtis lord let's see moments that are always brought up hey dudes love the podcast since y'all have a streak going on write-ins i figured i'd keep it going my question is, do you guys have a single moment from any of your campaigns that are often brought back up between the players? For my group, it is an incident known as the Flesh Tree. As a Ugh. bit of background, my campaign tends to be darker in nature. I'm a big fan of horror, so I like to make things just a little bit more grim. My players had been tasked by a cleric to go to a nearby town and retrieve ingredients for him so that he could craft a cure for a plague that was afflicting some soldiers they had been traveling with. When they got to the town, they were approached by a woman who was looking for her sister, and she believed that her sister had been taken by the doctor at the hospital which they were going to. The players went to the hospital, and while there, broke into the basement to try and find the sister. They discovered the basement was part prison, part medical lab. In the back of the lab, hidden behind some locked doors, they found the flesh tree. The doctor had found a way to conjoin a tree from the abyss with the woman's sister, in order to bear fruit that could cure all ailments. The caveat was that the fruits caused the people who ate it to depend upon it, and if they did not continue to consume the fruit, then they would devolve into Nosferatu-style creatures. The doctor found them and tried to convince them to leave it be, as most of the village at this point depended on the fruit. The whole time they were talking to the doctor, the human side of the tree is pleading and begging begging with them to release her. The rogue of the group decided in the middle of the conversation to do as she asked and start cutting the tree down. The tree, to describe it, was the color of burnt and blackened skin with the arteries visible between the cracks in the bark. The rogue didn't have an axe, so he had to use a short sword to try and cut it down. This took several minutes and was pretty visceral in how I described it being cut down. This was the third session of our campaign together. (laughs) (laughs) And it was almost a year ago now. Nearly every session, that tree is still referenced and will live on as our mascot for as long as the group still stands. Cheers, boys, and keep up the good work. Uh,
0: l- l- let me just <laughs> applaud you, uh, Curtis. Thank you so much for, uh, for you know, sending that in. Uh, I think that's sort of the main thing that you want as a-, a DM when you're doing like a horror session. You want that shit to stick. And honestly, like, that's... That's sticking with me right now. (laughs) That's a great, (laughs) great idea. I wish that I thought of it. Uh, And, you know, seed it into Curse of Strahd somewhere. Because, honestly, I feel like that's... It's difficult to pull off at a table, right? Uh, To get your players to say, What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that is awful <laughs> uh, and uh, if you know I, I don't know if they were actually scared of the thing or what but if you're able to pull that off there's nothing that feels better like you ride oh, that for high sure. for a long time when your players are like uh no i didn't like that and i'd like for you to stop please <laughs> um <laughs> as long as we've uh all established that this is a horror game we're all in in on it we you know we're down for it then Then, you know, my hat's off to you. Fantastic job, Curtis. I hope you feel really good
2: whenever it comes up because it actually does sound like a horrifying, horrifying scene. I'm a little skeeved out thinking about it now. Um, To me, I think of that as the equivalent of like going up against something larger than life, like an ancient red dragon or a god. Because do I want to fight the god? Yeah, but it's probably (laughs) going to squash me though. And I... So in the same sense, I want to go fight this thing. I want to have the most epic adventuring party battle I've ever had. But it's also scary. <laughs> I don't yeah, know to do it.
1: as As the resident forever DM, I don't have the capacity to write anything like that. Uh, I am a very happy go lucky person, and I don't like horror themed things very much at all. I don't have that capacity. Would I love to play in a campaign where something horror themed like that is featured? Yes, sounds great. I played Curse of Strahd, had a great time. Um, But do I have the capacity to make something like that happen? Absolutely not. Hats off to you. Do we have anything that we bring up in our games pretty consistently? I would say the soup is a big one um, (laughs) that we bring up all the time. No character in any of our games will ever eat soup again. Because not only was everyone knocked out and thrown into the Tomb of Horrors based on one serving of soup, we also had a second one-off where another player was DMing and served us soup, and we surely we thought, surely not again. And we went on an acid trip adventure, uh, thanks to the soup. So, uh, the soup is a big one. It's not, like, as crazy of a story as yours, but... We bring up soup pretty much every session. <laughs> and, of course, there's Frontgate Eric. Oh, yeah, we bring up the Eric bit. The Eric bit is all from our campaign. I think we, we explained this in the We Gotta Write-In episode um, where we talked about where the actual term Eric comes from. And, yeah, that that was from our campaign. So we bring up the Eric bit
2: all the time. I feel like those bits just kind of come up. Like you might not necessarily think about them all the time, but at the table, someone will whip out the joke, and immediately it's funny again, even though you've heard it thirty times before.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, we made friend the uh, fun of our friend, uh, our good friend, redheaded uh, Eric, uh, and his drawing of his character because of just <laughs> how dopey he was holding oh, yeah. his weapons. <laughs>
2: character
1: in the funniest thing about that was like yeah every time his character will walk in the room i would go ba up but da but ba but which if you know is the like the background music to any like fun happy-go-lucky moment in um naruto <laughs> oh,
2: gosh um one moment i do think of for and it, it, maybe it's a little bit of a, a different feel but we had one npc in storm king's name was calden right where whenever <laughs> Ugh, we fucking Calden, <laughs> but that's it that's the moment you you did it <laughs> whenever we ran into Calden, this jazz music we started playing i in the would background. i i
1: chose Calden's theme from the get-go in that campaign i was like barrel is going to have like it was in my original storm kings playlist i was like barrel is going to have a rival and this is his theme song <laughs> and i throw that shit on and every time i can expect the whole table to go
0: It's true. And and then, like, you would pull out your fucking, hello, barrel, or or however the fuck you do it. That's good, barrel. You know, something like that. Yeah, and this this fucker, he was a two-bit bard. He stole Beryl's songs. He was never as good as him. And it was always cathartic to watch Beryl one-up him, which, Seth, you did not make an attempt to make Calden any better than Beryl. Oh, no, he was always worse. Yeah, <laughs> except that he did uh, he did know Ray's dead, which Beryl didn't. So that was helpful one time. Yeah, he
1: uh, called in, in the background and ended up joining up with the Harpers. Um, and they sent him on a mis- mission to Thay, to which he went to Thay, came back knowing Ray's dead <laughs> and being of assistance to Barrel. Um, and then later in our in our campaign we have going on now, Calden was a professor at the school that Python and Keeley attended. So it was really funny because they just only knew him as Professor Calden, and when I brought it up, because yeah, they just knew they had professors before I brought it up and played the theme
2: song. Oh, hello, Hikili like <laughs> that was bring so, that up so difficult to deal with so i want you to because know because he was such a good guy you know yes, but i didn't want to be him and a he, good was, guy. he was he was so on him and hate him the whole campaign and I, I couldn't
1: i kind of wanted you guys to think he was the villain but he totally wasn't the whole time like i kind of wanted that little breadcrumb to be there uh no one ever thought he was the villain though like he was just a good guy the whole time and he always has been no i knew he wasn't
0: yeah because uh because i was yeah well <laughs> fair that's that's cheating <laughs> that's counts as cheating.
1: Well, thank you for listening to Table Talk Friday. And thank you for writing in Curtis Lord at TabletalkFriday at gmail.com. You, listeners of the show, can also write in to Friday at gmail.com by sending an email to TabletalkFriday at gmail.com. With your questions, your comments, concerns, anything that you can possibly bring up for the show, just hit us up. We'll probably read it on here. We will have a Patreon coming out soon. I'm just going to tease it now. We're going to be dropping it here in a couple of weeks, hopefully. Um, to which we will have a couple of exclusive little tidbits for you guys to listen to, including a Patreon exclusive post show starting with the post show for this episode. Patreon is not live yet, but we will have a post show for all of the episodes starting with this one going live on there. So get yourselves ready. It's going to be really awesome. You can also find us uh, on TikTok at Table Talk Friday, YouTube at Table Talk Friday, and Twitter at Table Talk Friday. And with that, can I have. Chris Alien,
0: take me out? Hello, party. It is me. It is me, Chris Alien. My name is Christopher. My full name is Christopher Ronald Alien. And and I love being an alien. And my name is Chris. Ooh. (laughs) You can find me featured in Elden Ring on the PlayStation 5.
2: (laughs) Uh, Thank you for listening to Table Talk Friday. For more information, advice, questions, comments, and concerns, you can email the boys at tabletalkfriday at com. And if you'd like to uh, tell your own stories, why don't you hit them up there? Send an inquiry or something, a sending spell. Thank you very much for listening, and please follow and come back next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bu- bu-